good to see all of you here today. We're uh, glad that you're with us. I uh, feel blessed and honored to make you welcome. Hope you've been here to feel welcome. My name is Kent, and I'll tell you what, I am so proud of our church, not in a vain way, but we are so blessed with the talent that we have in this church. I, uh, I was talking to a guy this week, and he said, you know where I could find a guitar player? And I gave some suggestions, you know, and I'd go to look, and I got to thinking about it. You know, when we got a row of them, I mean, it's just, and it's deep, but you only play if you got five. That's what God does when you lift his name up. He'll bring people to you. Are you happy in the Lord today? Are you really happy in the Lord today? Yeah. Well, today we're going to finish up our series on um, finding uh, hurt, uh, help finding hope in a world of hurt. And um, this is the third of a message series that we're going to complete today. And I'm excited because we're in the book of Peter. And it's an interesting book that we've been reading. Um, you know, the story is that he wrote this letter to a group of Christians. And they lived in a, an area in the Roman province, these Christians did. And what happened was they had businesses, they had their lives, and everything was going well for them. And this emperor came along that didn't really care for them. There was a fire that broke out in, in the area there, and, and there was blame placed upon these Christians for the fire. So they had to disperse. Can you imagine? They had to leave everything that they had because of persecution. They had to find hope in a world of hurt. And so Peter writes to them in this letter that we're going to look at, that we've been looking at. He writes to them, and, and the first week we talked about how he wrote to them, and he, and he said, our hope is in God in 1 Peter 1, verse 3. says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's by his great mercy that we've been, say it with me, born again. Because God raised Jesus from the dead. So he's writing to these people who've lost everything, and he's telling them, there's hope. There's hope in Jesus because he rose from the dead. Second week we talked to them, uh, we talked in the sermon, we talked about home. Because of what Jesus did as Christ followers, we found in the scriptures that there's a promise that this isn't all there is. That we have a home that's prepared for us, and I love that, I love that verse of scripture. I mean, it's something that's been thought out, it's been prepared, it's not thrown together, and it's amazing what God, and that gives us hope. And he's telling these people as they're spread all over the place, in 1 Peter 1, 4, he says, and we have a priceless inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. Now, I don't know about you, but that makes me want to get a little happy feet right there when I think about that. He's telling these folks, don't give up. The world may seem like dismal right now, but there's hope because Jesus is the hope and we have a home in heaven. And then he goes on to talk to them and he talks as he goes on writing, gives them some very important words. And here's what we're going to talk about today, 1 Peter 3. 13 through 17, here's what it says. Now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? So again, who will want to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, follow with me, even if you suffer for what's right, God will reward you for it. And uh, anybody here worriers? Oh, there we go. So, so he says, so don't worry or be afraid. Of their threats. <laughs> really? I'm living in another place now. Don't worry. Okay, that's what he's telling them. This is kind of intimidating. Don't worry. Be afraid. Instead, he says, don't worry. Instead, you must trust And if someone asks you something, here's the question for us in this text. Always do what? Good for them. Always. But do 
this in a gentle and respectful way. So keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed for the name they choose to speak Remember, it's better to suffer for doing good, if that's what you discover. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time that we have to open your word, and I pray, God, as we go into this, that your Holy Spirit would help us. Truth would be spoken, and in a world of hurt, we can find hope. You know, uh, he says, who would, who would want to harm you? You ever think about this? Who would want to harm you if you do good? Does that ever happen? You ever see somebody doing good and, and they get harmed? Absolutely. I read a story sometime back, and, and uh, there was a gentleman, and uh, his name was Ignaz Semelov. Anybody ever heard of him? I didn't think so. He's not a rock and roll star, I'll tell you that. Ignaz Semelov was a medical he lived between 1818 and 865. What I'm talking about is during German Imperialism. Ignaz made a difference in the world by making a discovery that altered people's lives, and it even helped us today. It's still useful. In fact, there's a really good chance that what he discovered, we don't use today. Uh, his discovery was, was presented, and, and the medical community was insulted by him, by what he did, by what he was suggesting that they do. Uh, his discovery was uh, conflicted with the community. The established scientific community and the medical opinions of the day, they didn't like what he was doing. What he discovered was something that all of us do, but uh, Ignaz Semmelweis discovered the incident of childhood fever and that it could be dramatically cut by doing something good. You know what it was? Washing your hands. He's my kind of guy right here. Remember what I said, uh, wash your hands and pray every day because Jesus deserves it every day, right? Something as simple that he scientifically proved, washing your hands is good. And he was persecuted. In fact, he was, he was so persecuted that eventually he was taken out of the community and eventually uh, died uh, at an early age. And people didn't even know what, was, what he was saying was true. I mean, they didn't respect him until after he was gone. But you see, there's, there's a thing in the world that we do as Christians sometimes that we do. We spread the word of God and, and miss it. We sure have. In fact, we've read the news headlines recently where there was a pastor that was put in jail in another country, and, and he was released. And, and I read, I, I did a Google search on that as, as late as yesterday. He was released, and another one was, was put in jail since then. And we come in this place, and we're comfortable. We have, you know, rooms with seats to sit in and drinks, and, you know. But there are people in this world that suffer like that. And then we have things in our lives where we feel like we're suffering. I want to tell you, I want to remind you this. The world does not have a stronger power than Jesus in your heart. And that's what Peter's telling these folks. Hey, you know what? Look, you've lost everything, but God with you will help you overcome this. And that's good news today. If you're sitting here and you're going through something, I want to remind you that God is greater than any problem that you're facing. 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. As a child of God, I want you to remember that. You might say, well, Kent, you, you don't realize what I suffer. You don't realize what I deal with. I want to tell you something. God's got you. 
Now, somebody asked me, so why did things happen? I had this come to me. I, I get asked that a lot. Why am I going through this? Why did this have to happen? And, you know, I read an article. I love Billy Graham. You guys know that. I read an article where Billy Graham was writing about the question of why. And he said, I don't have the answer to why. I found great comfort in that because if Billy Graham can't answer the question why, I know I don't have a chance. There is no answer to why. But rather, the question is this. Who? Who can we turn to when we're going through those kinds of things of suffering? And that's what Peter's addressing here. He's telling those people to come to him, to share their message. They've been dispersed to another country. Share their message. He understood that if you suffer for what's right, you will be blessed. In chapter 3, verse 13, he said, even if you offer, if you suffer for doing what is right, he also understood that our faith must be active and practical. I've told you this before. People argue theologically. People argue. They say it's faith and no works. And people say it's works and no faith. It's faith that works. That's what we see in the passage. That's what we see, and that's what Peter's telling these folks. When you meet God's grace, it gives us capacity to overcome the things that we face. And being blessed here is, is, is not having a pretty face on the back of your head. He's talking about being blessed by knowing in your heart about this hope, about the home, and having it in our home. All of the disciples who read this, all the disciples that we read about, got this at that moment. When they, con- when they contact and came in contact with the risen Christ, they were different. They were different people. Notice he makes a point to say that what you're doing right is important. It's important that we do right. You know, a few years ago, we talked about being persecuted. I personally don't think I have any idea of context for that one. A few years ago, we were going home from church. It was on a Sunday, and we were living in Ohio, and, and there's this little town that you go to over there, and, and I was driving through the town. I was trying to get home so I could take my Baptist nap. I don't want to be interrupted. And I went through this little town. The speed limit was 35, and I was going I looked up in the mirror, and there were these lights behind me, and I was not happy. I had just preached the gospel. And this guy came up, walked up beside my car, and I got socks over when he did. And he says to me, good afternoon, Tim. I said, yeah. I'm holding a pen and two with my license in my hand. I hand him Tim Bangor. He's got gloves on. You know how people are walking down the street talking to somebody else. And he said, how was the business you had a ticket? I said, I have no idea. He says, you know why I pulled you over? I said, I don't know. I was just going home. Right here in church, I'm like, you know, telling him. He said, I'll be right back. We went back, come back, and one day my son walked in the church, and, and I said something, and Bang said, what did you say? And I was chuckling, you know. But here's the thing. I had made a choice. I had made a choice. And as we drove away, you know, I always tell stories in my life. I'm not going to get into that here too much today. But as we drove away, Diane said, uh, I said, you know, I'm not really sure I was going that fast. I think I was going about 95 or so. And let me ask you a question. Have you ever been speeding before and not, and not got, you know, hadn't got, didn't get a copy, didn't get a ticket? You ever done that before? I said, I don't know. She said, but this town is a piece of crap. Tell them about the town. of the matter is we look at suffering and, and sometimes when we see things in our life suffering comes and it comes because we made bad decisions but God is with us even in those bad decisions he gets us out of it even in those bad decisions have you ever watched somebody else have a meltdown and you're sitting there going how crazy would that be but it ain't the same when you're going to that point is it right 
Peter's talking about suffering for good. He's talking about suffering for the, the kingdom of God. James wrote in chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, here's what he says. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, watch this, consider it an opportunity to grow spiritually. You know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete and need no test. We grow through our tests. We grow through our trials. And, I, and I'm trying to learn that in those opportunities, there are opportunities for us to make some mistakes. Malcolm Muggeridge was a, a Christian writer. He, he said, contrary to what might be expected, I look back on experiences that at the time seemed especially desolating and painful and deeply satisfying. Indeed, I can say with complete truthfulness that everything I've learned in in my 75 years of ministry, everything that has truly enhanced me and ripened my experience has been through trials and difficulties. Suffering comes to all of us in life, one way or another. It's it's just happening. It's our lot. It's not going to go away. But we have hope. We have hope in those times, just like the early church. When we suffer, especially when we're suffering for doing good, we need to be reminded that we're the gift that God has given us. I believe it's true that who your heart belongs to determines your eternal life, and that's not by accident. But if we belong to the Lord and we make the wrong decisions, God will convict our hearts, and we will know it. And we have a God that will pick us up and get us on with the next step. First Peter was all about hope, yet he talked about suffering. He's telling this church that's abroad that's been spread in First Peter 1.6. He says, in all this, greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in various ways. He's not telling them that you're not going to have grief. He's not telling them that you're not going to have trials. He's saying you're going to have these things, but in all these things, God is with you. And be of good cheer. what he says in chapter 4, verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery trial that comes upon you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice. Inasmuch as you participate in the suffering of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Why? Why suffer? It appears that as Christians, suffering is going to happen. But that comes against our natural instincts, doesn't it? I mean, when they have a, su- a line that says suffering or not suffering, I'm not going to get in the suffering line, I can tell you that. I want to get in the one where there's not suffering. That could happen to us. See, the more we read, the more we see that hope really becomes more meaningful and different than the hope that we're used to. It's hard to explain. And as Christians, the goal is to advance the gospel wherever we go, even in a world that doesn't know Jesus. And when we do that, there may be some hope that we don't Verse 17 of our text says, remember, it's better to suffer for doing good if that's what God wants than to suffer for righteousness. And then verse 18 says, for Christ also suffered once for sins. Once again, we talk about the verses that Jesus came. Jesus came because he loved us. Man had a need. Man had a need. Man had a need that that he needed a Savior. And I said the verses, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. And he loves us so much that he gives his son for us to die for our sins. 
to pay the price. I was in college, and, and I was holding a revival down there on the campus, and, and uh, we had a wonderful time in revival. And one of the guys in my group, and Brian and I had sex early in the summer, 75 years old, beautiful guy. He didn't live through my mother. We had a revival. One of the guys came downstairs after revival and said, Ken, I want to talk to you. And I said, what's up? He said, heard the message tonight, and you were talking about Jesus being the answer. I said, man, I don't even know what you're talking about. That's the kind of world we're in, church. It gave me an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with you. And I said, I want to tell you something. There's a God that loves you. He loves you, and he loves mankind. He loves us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ. And if we accept him into our life, if we repent and come to him, he receives us as his own. This is hope. We can have hope. Even in the worst conditions of this world, even when things are going awry, even when things are crashing all around us, it gives us hope. That's why we do this. That's why we do this. That's why we do this. Peter got this. You know, it's interesting because because early on these guys were scattering and running every which way, but, but they're different guys now. We see they're different people. They're acting different. See, Jesus died for their sins, rose again, and they experienced a risen Christ, and they recognized him. And his suffering, Jesus' suffering, wasn't for refinement, but it was for refinement. Jesus set the example for us that our character and faith are defined by our testimony. We sing it throughout church history. We sing these stories about these Christians that are sent in jail and, and how they praise God in the middle of that. I, I wonder if it ever came upon me to do that, how would I react? culture is changing, and, and we're not in a place where we're extremely persecuted. I, uh, I heard some missionaries speak one time about how, how they've gone to this place where they, they smuggled some Bibles in, and, and, and the people are saying, give me one of those, give me one of those, give me one of those. You can't have one of those. They ran out of Bibles. And it got to the point where the people were saying, just give me a Bible. Because it's such a pain. suffering, we can find hope through Jesus. Don't forget that today. We've been able to say yes, I'm a Christian, and go on in this culture. We don't get persecuted. Well, we get persecuted, but not like that. See, we realize that in many parts of the world right now, there are those who have been persecuted for following Jesus. I mentioned that in the past, but it's, it's still significant. I, uh, I, I read a pro- about a guy who was uh, over in a country that was predominantly not Christian, he was talking to the missionaries, and, and the missionaries were preaching the gospel, and the, the missionaries told a story about the people that were converted, and they said when they, they came back, they left this area and went back, and they came to see these people, they were really shocking to them. And we go to places like that, right? But this isn't a culture where that's really not acceptable when you're being persecuted. And they said, why are you wearing these crosses? And here's what they said. They said, our goal is to share the gospel. And when we wear these necklaces, people will ask us, We wear the cross because we want people to know that we're Christians. We want people to know because when they see the cross, they ask about the cross. And then we will show them about Jesus. We're an example to them of Jesus. We live in a completely free country. We wear crosses all the time. Not very often you get asked about that, but it's very common. Although, there are occasions when conversations will come up and people speak of the things I speak of and talk about that especially in this world where our police officer has to use his shirt. When was the last time that you shared your faith? 
Here's the thing. We're called to share the impact. We live in a world where we have opportunity every day. Now, how does that look? And I, I'm trying to share this with you because I don't want you to miss that opportunity. God opens the door for you to share your message. What is it? The story goes on about these, these people that are over there in these temples sharing that on these mission fields. And, and there were five young guys in their 20s, and they were in a community that was totally non-Christian. And they asked them if they would share, and here's what they said. We're not sharing. We've already got too much love from the church to talk about. We aren't shared. What can, we, what can they do to us? We just want them to know about Jesus. First Peter 5, 9 says, resist, resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of faith has been set apart for you as well. There will be suffering. Jesus told the disciples, he said, look, I'm going away to prepare a place for you, but listen to me. In the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer because you've overcome the world. What's that look like? What's that, does that mean there's no problems? Does that mean everything's going to be just wonderful? No, it means nothing. It means because of that cross, that Jesus, the Savior of the world, died and rose again and that we have hope. And our hope is in Him. Not in the things that we see. We should be encouraged by that scripture. That's what he's writing to these folks. To be of good cheer. You know, I, I've never been persecuted like that. I've never had people say, you know what, we're going to beat you up because you're a Christian. I've had people make fun of me. I told you they used to call me the church lady at one of the jobs I worked at. I'd walk by and they'd go, how dare you? You know what I looked on that? I got an opportunity to share about you. I said, you got that right. It is special because he saved my soul. Thanks to Calvary, I'm not perfect. I'm better than you are. I'm much better than you are. I got clean and legal, so I needed to humble Jesus. Started out as a joke. Opportunity can come if you're aware. Persecution. You know, I've been made fun of for being a Christian. I've had people... I've had, but I've had church folks scream at me, too. Get quieter here in a minute. Here's the thing. When we follow Jesus, what really matters is what Jesus thinks. What really matters is what Jesus thinks. What Jesus' opinion is. You see, there'll be times in our lives when, as Christ followers, our beliefs are diametrically opposed to what they say. And as believers, since covenant testimony to share. Peter says in his letter, regardless of the trials, regardless of the temptations, stand firm. How do you stand firm? You stand in his strength. You stand in his strength. You stand in his strength and in his power. When you see that God is in control, you will know when to stand in faith. You know, somebody said that Christianity is like a nail. The harder you strike it, the deeper it goes. Warren Wiersbe is one of my favorite preachers, and here's what he said. God's test is like a shovel, and it ends with one blow. Satan's test is like a shovel, but it ends with one blow. And I prepared this series because I was thinking about this text today and some different points that I think about that. I looked at the passage of Scripture. I've read the whole book. I've read through it twice. I read through it. And it occurred to me that uh, it wasn't just the verses that gave me hope and encouragement. Although they did, they encouraged me, and they absolutely were therapeutic for me to get into my own heart. But you know what really, what really, 
really spoke to me the most in this book, the passages of Scripture spoke to me, but what really, really, really spurred me on Because when you look at the man that wrote this, The one who was uh, eager to serve in, in the first chapter of what we just read, 1 Peter. The guy that wrote in 1 Peter 5, verse 2, he's eager to serve. He's the same guy in the Gospel of John, the 13th chapter, when Jesus washed the disciples' feet with this cave. He's a different guy, Kevin. He's not the same guy. He's changed. 1 Peter 4, 2 says, he says to be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. This guy. This guy that wrote this letter says that. Be self-controlled so you can pray. But this is the same guy when Jesus was praying in the garden. He said, pray with me. And he fell asleep. You know what inspired me? This man. What inspired me was this man. This man who tells us to submit to authorities. But earlier in one of the Gospels, he's the one that pulls out a sword and cuts off the ear of a guard. This man that wrote these great words. things in my life I wouldn't want put up on a screen. Thanks to Calvary, that's gone. That's gone. There's hope in Jesus Christ. There was hope for Simon Peter. There was hope for all those apostles. Peter was an amazing guy. When he died, it's in Rome, and that's where they say that he's buried. Church tradition says that when they when they come to kill him, they're going to crucify him. You know what he said? This same guy that did all this stuff that we read about, that one that was standing there when they said, he was with him, he said, I don't want anybody to copy that. He denied him. Remember that story? This same guy, when they came to crucify him for being a Christian, you know what he said to him? Turn that cross upside down and crucify me upside down because I'm not worthy to die in the same manner as my Savior. hope in a world of hurt? Yes, but it's not in the world. It's in Jesus. Things of this world will pass. There are a lot of deaths in this world. There are suffering. You can find hope in a world of hurt. You can find hope in Jesus. He promises to be with us through those times, through those times of suffering. How does that look? That looks like hope that's coming through his word. That looks like hope through his word. That looks like coming and not some God that's out there somewhere. He's just a real God. We can find hope in that because of what Jesus did, we have a home in heaven. I've done my share of funerals, I can tell you that. I can tell you that someday there's going to be a funeral in heaven because Jesus is coming back. And that's what we'll have too. 
so grateful that you don't have to look a certain way, you don't have to be a certain way in terms of coming from a certain background. I'm so grateful that you can come just like you are. I want to say come from God. I'm so glad that it doesn't have a restriction on it that you have to be a certain age or you're you're, I'm so glad that it's just come as you are because I love you. You just love me. And that's what that's what it looks like.